When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Hmm, let's see. Batman. Top Gun. Jurassic Park. Toy Story. Sonic the Hedgehog? It may sound like I'm perusing the shelves of my childhood blockbuster video, but I'm actually looking at the coming attractions. That is, names of franchises that have brand new movies this year. In 2022, all of these will play in movie theaters around the country. Now, sequels in already established characters have been dominating the big screen for decades, but it does seem like the trend has intensified in the past couple of years. Meanwhile, comedies and dramas with new stories to tell are quickly disappearing from local cinemas at a noticeable rate. The pandemic is an obvious culprit in accelerating this trend, but is it entirely to blame? Even before the pandemic, the movie business had been moving towards a model where most movies in most theaters were either superhero movies or other well-established franchises that people already knew about. That's Recode senior correspondent Peter Kafka. That has been the case. It's been accelerating. And people who've been fighting against that tide for various reasons have found themselves not succeeding. You can trace this back to Bob Iger and Disney when Bob Iger took over that company in uh, around 2005. Disney used to make a lot of different kinds of movies. And after a while, Bob Iger said, we shouldn't do that. We own Marvel now. We own Pixar. We own Lucasfilm, the company that owns Star Wars. We should pretty much only make those movies because those are movies that can generate a billion dollars in revenue. We should only do those things. We spend all our money on that and we should stop making everything else. And most of the industry has taken that cue. At the same time, we've trained consumers that really good dramas are things you watch at home. Uh, maybe they're movies, but more often they're, they're things on HBO or FX or AMC. That's where you should watch that stuff. You can call it a vicious cycle or a virtuous cycle, but that is the way that the movie business has been headed for some time. And then the pandemic accelerated all of that. Revisiting that Disney example, for a while now, sequels to successful films or straight up reboots seem to be the only movies we're getting. And it, it's not just from Disney and, and Star Wars and Marvel but also from DC and other superhero franchises. What's behind this? And does it mean that audiences are really not interested in new stories? Well, it's again, it's, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. One argument is we're making movies that audiences want to see, full stop. And the other argument is audiences don't know that there's anything else because you're not making these films for them. And if you would just try other stuff, you might be surprised to learn that people will show up for things that aren't superhero movies. But generally, uh, if you run a big corporation, you want to reduce your risk and increase your upside. And the way of doing that is taking a movie, a concept, a character that people have heard of and do another version of that. And you will get audiences to show up. Those are usually younger people, usually younger men. And those are the ones coming to movie theaters. So you should make product for them. And then you just rinse and repeat that cycle over and over again to the point where it's really unusual to 
to see anything that doesn't have sort of recognizable IP in a movie theater? Well, as we've seen superhero movies kind of take over the theater going experience, we've also seen an increase in the amount of prestige television people can watch at home. These are big budget multi-part series that want to be more artful than movie theater popcorn fare. A lot of them are dramas, not action. Is there a correlation there? The industry has bifurcated itself somewhat intentionally and somewhat just sort of reacting to what has worked. And they've trained consumers now to expect that you don't go to a movie theater to see a thoughtful drama or a romantic comedy. You watch that on your couch or maybe even on your phone somewhere else. Audiences respond to that. And so they get more of it. And then you just sort of rinse and repeat. Does this mean that people who enjoyed dramas or art house movies are just not going to be able to go see these types of movies in theaters anymore? I think it will become harder and harder to do that. There are edge cases. If you live in the coasts, it'll be much easier to see uh, an art house film. There are more art house theaters. You will continue to see uh, exhibitors try to get stuff in there. But there's also going to be a lot less theaters, period. There's probably about 40,000 movie theater screens in America. Most analysts I talk to believe that number is going to shrink dramatically. You're probably going to see the big theater chains themselves, like AMC, probably go through a financial restructuring. So there's going to be fewer places to see movies. And then that will increase the pressure on, on the remaining exhibitors who have the remaining screens to only put stuff there where they're guaranteed to get a big audience. We might be seeing fewer theaters, but let's just talk about the theater going experience itself. It seems like it's been getting better. I don't remember the last time I went to a theater that didn't have stadium seating where I couldn't order nicer food or, or even a drink. Is that trend going to continue? And is, is that how the theater industry is going to stay alive? That is one of the theories. You and I both live in Brooklyn. There's lots of great movie-going experiences available to us around the New York City area. I think for most of the country, though, the theater-going experience is often quite lousy. Theaters aren't maintained very well. This is a complaint you hear over and over. And again, this is why restructuring might actually help that if they're, they're able to spend more on the remaining screens they do have. Plus, you see people saying we should make the theater-going experience be more special, like you talked about getting food you can get seats that rumble. I talked to an exhibitor who is going to put stuff on the side of movie theater screens, so it's kind of like a wraparound immersive, not 3D, but sort of a wraparound effect, like you're in a looking at a windshield of a car. You will see people continue to try to find other reasons to get you into the movie theater. But if they're not showing a movie you want to see, you're not going to go. As fun as it sounds to go to a regular theater and have it be like a Universal Studios ride, I wonder if what we're talking about here is a, is a net negative for movie fans. This is a question I think about a lot. It's a question I ask people about a lot, and I can make either argument. One is, yeah, this is a net negative. Movies are a communal experience that we don't have many communal experiences in 2022. You could argue that it's good for society for a bunch of us to gather anonymously in a theater and, and share something, uh, that it's good for culture. And you can also argue that, hey, you're just complaining about the decline of the buggy whip or you're like vinyl enthusiasts bemoaning the end of, of albums. And instead, we have streaming where you can hear every song. It's different, but you have more choice. And that, that, that argument holds up quite well right now. You can say, look, 
Yes, you can't go see any movie you want at a movie theater, but you can see almost anything you want at home easily. And because we're not trying to shove this stuff in theaters, we can find economic models that make sense to deliver this stuff to you at home consistently. You know, Hollywood pretty much stopped making rom-coms several years ago. Netflix said, hey, there's an audience for rom-coms. We can make them. And now lots of people watch rom-coms, especially teen rom-coms on Netflix. Now, maybe that's not particularly your, your cup of tea, but you can find versions of that experience lots of places. But overall, there's just going to be a reduced number of people going to movie theaters. Ultimately, I don't like that idea. I think it's better when more of us go out. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Today's episode was produced and engineered by John Ahrens. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.